0: On today's podcast, we are discussing the recently released public service pension scheme consultation response that the government published at the start of February 2021, otherwise known as the McLeod and Sargent case. Now, we've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast already, and it might be worth you listening to episodes 12 uh, and 13, unlucky for some, uh, and episode 29, where we talk about it in a bit more detail. Today, we're able to talk about it with the benefit of knowing what the government's proposed solution to the problem is. So we start basic just by outlining how we got here and what the problem is. But pretty quickly, we get into talking about what doctors need to do now and what you can do to help yourself and why and when you might need to think about taking advice. If if you do take advice, what sort of things will your advisor talk to you about and what are the issues to consider? And as you're here, there are still some unresolved issues to work through. This is a dynamically evolving area. And of course, as soon as anything significant changes, we will update you on the podcast and on our email list so if you are on our podcast, but not on our email list, you are missing out because we're pretty big on emails. There's 25,000 doctors on there now. So the easiest way to join is to download our ebook And you can find that at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. And I've dropped some links to that in the show notes below. The other final thing I wanted to say is a thank you to all of those of you that have subscribed, left us a review and told your friends about us because we are empowering doctors to make better financial decisions by educating us about our finances. And we passed 30,000 downloads at the start of February, about 2,000 a week now. And that's purely because people like you have liked what we're doing, uh, listened to it and more importantly, shared it. With your colleagues so that we can all have the opportunity to manage our finances better as with all medics money podcasts the information presented here is just for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of financial advice both of today's guests are highly qualified and regulated individuals so it's really important that we make that clear welcome to the medics money podcast my name is dr tommy perkins and i'm a gp and My name is Dr. Ed Cantalow, a GP, but also a Chartered Accountant and a Chartered Tax Advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a Chartered Accountant and a Tax Advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the Medics Money podcast, Rachel Hall and Andy Powell. Morning, guys. Morning. Morning. Um, now, for those of you that th- this is both of your third appearance on the podcast, I think. So if you haven't, if you're not aware who these guys are, definitely check out their previous episodes. But for those that haven't listened, Rachel, do you want to just give yourself the intro and why you're qualified to talk on today's ridiculously complicated subject matter?
1: Yeah, so I'm Rachel Hall. I'm the principal partner of and Medical, which is a partner practice of and Financial Partners. Um, I've been advising uh, doctors uh, for over 10 years now, um, and I consider myself to be uh, one of the country's leading NHS pension specialists.
2: Awesome. Uh, Andy? Yeah. Hi, I'm Andy Powell. I'm a partner in Mazars. I'm in the healthcare team in Mazars. Um, We currently act for around about 2,600 medical uh, professionals across the UK um 350 gp practices so yeah we're dealing with gp finance and medical finance all the time
0: awesome and uh, one thing i wanted to say is i said this is both of your third appearances on the podcast so i just wanted to say uh thank you for taking the time to come and do this because um we get amazing feedback about the podcast we have over thirty thousand downloads now um but it does take a lot of work to make these episodes especially from you guys and we have to then check the contents accurate and go through rachel's compliance team because she's a regulated individual so on behalf of everyone listening i just wanted to say thank you so much for giving up your time uh, it's probably worth pointing out as well you both got a vested interest in this not only because of your professions but because you're both married to doctors is that right
1: Is correct. That's correct, yeah.
0: (laughs) But anyway, we we really appreciate you taking the time to just educate the profession and give us uh, expert, authoritative uh, information. So, um, Rachel, do you want to start? We're talking about McLeod today. Do you want to just set the scene about how we got to where we are? A quick history lesson Mm -hmm. about it
1: so um, the government recently lost a legal case on the grounds of age discrimination because when they introduced the 2015 scheme they delayed uh, member transition dates on the basis of age so the government now have to resolve this matter um they consulted on this uh, in september last year and they um, gave us two options to consider one which was an immediate choice and one which was deferring your choice until retirement. So uh, there's something called the Remedy Period, and what they're gonna ask um, all members now at retirement is whether they want um, their service between tw- the 1st of April 2015, which was the date of the original transition to the reform schemes, and the 31st of March 2022, so the seven years, do you want that allocated into the 995 section or do you want it put into the 2015 scheme? Um, So in the interim, there will be a default position. And uh, the default position would be that most, uh, all members will be um, temporarily put back, retrospectively put back into the, Um, the Legacy Scheme. So that's either the 1995 section or the 2008. Um, And then after uh, 31st March 2022, everybody will go back into the Reformed Scheme. So uh, there's a lot of complexity within that choice exercise, which we are still doing a lot of analysis on right now. Um, And you know, I, th- I guess that's where we're at. We're still running service patterns. Um, yeah.
0: uh, and we're definitely going to get into the complexity uh, in a minute, but just keeping it simple at the start. Um, who is affected by that uh, that choice and who isn't affected?
2: It's really anyone who was in the scheme or in one of the 1995 or 2008 scheme uh, before the 31st of March 2012 and remained Mm -hmm. in schemes after the 1st of April 2015.
0: Perfect. Okay. thanks Mm -hmm. for that, Andy. Um, And um, as I said, we're going to get into the real details in a minute. But uh, if you were a doctor right now in that category that Andy just uh, mentioned, what do you actually need to do right now?
2: So um, the, the position, as Rachel's just said, that it, it, the good thing is it's a deferred choice at the moment and the choice will be made on retirement um, rather than now. Uh, I think they, they looked at this across the whole of the public sector and thought if everyone was going to do an immediate choice, it would cause chaos uh, and people will need to take advice. As Rachel's pointed out, the, the complexity of this is mm-hmm. huge and, and everyone's personal circumstances will result in a different uh, a different position so they've gone for deferred choice which means you don't have to make a choice until retirement uh, and there are a group of people out there who will have retired uh, already or retired um or about to retire and they will also be brought into this as well um so their position can be assessed so that's the really good thing nothing to do now i think what it does highlight though is um there is particularly on the GP side at the moment there are still some huge uh, issues with pension records uh, not being updated and fundamentally everyone needs to uh, get their pension records updated Um, so we've got a sort of couple of year period while this all filters through and i would suggest very much so that any uh, doctor out there needs to start thinking about accessing their pension records having a look what's in there and checking they are accurate and if they're not accurate getting them accurate um, because if you're going to be able to make a decision on this you need accurate records
1: mm.
0: and rachel's nodding in agreement
1: yeah i, th- I think there's going to be an, a window of opportunity for those who are in their 50s because If we look at uh, you you know the the design of each scheme, the the legacy schemes have lower retirement ages, Um, so there might be situations where somebody might want to retire earlier. So we've got special class status, which is um, generally nurses, um, mental health officers, who might be able to retire at age fifty five. Now, if this age 55 retirement date falls within the remedy period um then they ultimately they're going to be faced with the decision do you retire now because your 1995 pension is not going to be actuarially reduced um it's going to be i think the difficulty is that some people might be due for retirement just shortly after the remedy period so at that point, then we ne- we need to then reintroduce all of the early retirement factors. Um, so I think there's going to be a couple of different calculations that we're going to need to do for people who are planning to retire at or around about maybe age 55, or whose retirement age falls just shortly outside of this remedy period. Um, so from a tax planning perspective, absolutely what. Um, Andy says, you need to get your house in order. You need to get this pension record up to date. But then there's going to be a lot of planning to do. Um, and that will involve financial advice because you're going to have to make a decision about whether you should bring bring your retirement age forward, because some people might really benefit from that, um, or whether you um, are going to have to push Push that back, or just stick with the the same age that y- you know you believe that you're on track for now. Um, so it is it is quite it's very involved. It, it is very complicated. Uh, the decisions that people will have to make. Yeah, I think one I- of the things that came in the government response um, it does acknowledge that. So they do acknowledge that they've got they've got a lot of work to do because there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of, um, well, especially for those people who have retired, um, who now need to reconsider whether they want their pension benefits splitting across 95 and 2015. So very involved. Um, We're still running a lot of analysis. um, But I think from a tax planning perspective, which is probably what Andy's going to go into now, is that a lot of people might end up with rebates during this default position period.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to break it down like that uh, in terms of you said that people are going to need advice and there's probably going to need financial advice in terms of which scheme should I go for? And, uh, you know, when do I want to retire and all those other things? But (laughs) there is also, uh, which which is why Andy's here, there is a massive tax implications here, Andy, isn't there? So if Rachel is a Rachel's IFA, she handles the sort of advice on pension side of things. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that your pension is a two-pronged attack, really. Financial advisors do their thing, and then accountants uh, do the tax side. So, Andy, from a tax point of view, uh, what kind of issues is this throwing up?
2: Um, The the biggest issue uh, at the moment over this um, transitional period um, is going to be in relation to the annual allowance pensions tax charge, uh, which is something that's been much documented, much talked about, uh, has been on previous podcasts. And this is a tax charge that has arisen... Um, due to, I guess, what the government call excessive pension growth uh, year on year. So it's basically you measure your pension at the beginning of the year that you've accrued, measure it at the end of the year, uh, see what the growth's been, and if it's outside of certain parameters, um, then a tax charge arises. And that tax charge can either be paid by the individual or you can get the pension scheme to pay it on your behalf. And if the pension scheme do it, then your pretend pension is reduced on retirement. There are different methodologies applied. Well, not different methodologies, but different uh, outcomes that apply between the the 1995, the 2008 and 2015 schemes. And therefore, if you're going to shift pension benefits from 2015 scheme to the 1995 scheme, what you will find is that the annual allowance tax charge, if you were in that situation and had one, changes. Um, We've modelled it for GPs mainly. Um, and you can't definitively say everyone's is going down, um, but the general trend for GPs would be they, they would go downwards, but there'll be some GPs for whatever reason, um, peculiarities in the scheme where the tax charge actually rises. Uh, for consultants on a final salary scheme, completely different because that there are so many different parameters to that uh, side of the equation. But it does mean that All these annual allowance tax charges need to be reassessed. Um, And it also then gives a sort of complication going forward because the government have put in place uh, a date of 31st of October, 2023, for pension schemes to get their houses in order, which I think is going to be a big ask anyway. Um, So we're probably not going to know until sort of 2023 what the full impact of all these tax charges are going backwards. Um, So not only do we have to look at the historic situation, Looking back, we've also got a couple of years between now and then where we've got to submit tax returns on behalf of clients, trying to sort of second guess what's going on, um, which is going to be really difficult. Um, The the good side of it is that if you're in a refund situation, um, you can go back as long as you want and there's going to be no time barring on claiming refunds. Uh, normally, there's a four-year window where you can adjust your tax uh, if, if there's a, a difference that arises. Uh, and they have said in the consultation, if there is more tax to pay, then they will only look back four years. Um, but that's going to that's gonna be interesting as well, because some people will just naturally fall out of that four-year window um, just by the time this is going to take to rumble through. Um, so I think it's... It, yeah. I would say, you know, it's a difficult stage, but generally I would say it's probably positive in terms of the tax, but it's going to be hugely messy. Um, We already have have the situation now where you get pension savings statements, which are not accurate uh, for various reasons, Mm. um, and they are are all going to have to be re-reviewed. It's not something I'm particularly looking forward to. Yeah,
1: one of the the issues I keep finding with the the bulk run statements, annual allowance statements, is that... um, they are Most of them are incorrect <laughs> because they're, they're still doing this five-day um, write-off. So um, I spend most of my days during the week correcting annual allowance statements or asking for these figures to be rerun, which this, the scheme will quite happily do. Um, but this is part of this. Um, why it is important to run the figures every year and do the pension cleansing. I think one of the other issues will be, if we've got um, somebody due... if if we've got someone who's in the remedy period and they've had a couple of years of tax rebate, then they retire and they decide to opt for the, the you know the um the reformed schemes because it produces a higher pension. Um, that's going to get messy because they're within that four year um, you know collection period. So I think the devil will be in the detail as to how um, you know how this is all going to unfold. For me. Um, You know, there's a huge amount of unknowns. There's no process. And I like to work with process. And I just feel that we're kind of all sort of hanging around, waiting for that to be confirmed. But that doesn't need to be legally implemented until 2023. So a lot of us think, well, what are we doing here? Is it going to be, if we've got somebody who's got huge tax liability at the moment, could we potentially argue uh, their benefits should be treated as the um, legacy so we could potentially mitigate a big tax charge within this year um, but it's sure digger's cat isn't it because until it's legally it's wrong but it's still right then it's right but it's wrong <laughs> so this is this is the conundrum isn't it, it it's But yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to advise on this right now. Um, it's quite difficult for us to carry our, our clients through because, um, we don't have any certainty. What we can work with is, um, we can work with people's retirement plans. We can work with financial advice. We can look at the bigger picture and we can say, what are your lifestyle requirements? You know, um, you know, when are you planning to retire? We can kind of work back from there. And then it'll just, only time will tell how this whole situation will unfold. And I don't think that um, it's going to be perfect. Um, I think there will be, there will need to be amendments and changes along the way um, from government departments. And we saw that with the introduction of the tape. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago when I remember the bailiffs turning up at one doctor's door because um the scheme hadn't informed HMRC about you know attack a tax liability when uh, the scheme pays charges. So it wasn't perfect back then, and I expect some level um of um, problems to occur, but then for those to be resolved. So um, but like I say, the the, the good thing about the deferred choice is that the schemes and the government departments have got time to prepare for this now. Um, They haven't really had that in the past, I don't think. Um, But I I think it's worthwhile everybody taking stock of their position right now and trying to understand um, how to kind of navigate through. And I think it's more important than ever that people have a good um, medical expert accountant um, as well as advisor, um, a good team of people around them uh, to help navigate through this, as I say.
2: Yeah, what I would say positively here, Tommy, is the last two podcasts I've been on, uh, we've talked about topics that subsequently got changed in a positive way. So so I'm hoping for a lucky three on this one. You
0: you know, we have some big players that listen to this podcast. Uh, So Steve Webb came on our podcast because he listened to it. And you're right. uh, We talked about final pay controls and then they fixed it.
1: Uh, We managed to depress him as well, didn't we?
0: uh, And we also talked about GPs were struggling with the whole uh funding thing and uh we kind of fix that so yeah oh, let's, let's, go, funding, yeah. let's yeah, go Three get out of three
1: it. here it comes i'm going um, <laughs> to raise some positives about this i mean um if if we look if we take a quick recap i've done this before so if we assume that um someone's pensionable pay is always 100,000 pounds just for the just so people can get an idea of of the value of these pension schemes um the 1995 section would buy you 1250 pounds of pension income and then three times lump sum, so £3,750 of lump sum. Every year, you you had, mean, right? Yeah. Yep. If you had reckonable pay of in the 2008 section, you'd get £1,666 a year, or you could reduce that and you would get 1,071, and on maximum commutation, you would get 7,000 of pension. And with the 2015 scheme, you're buying pension at a rate of £1,851 um a year but then that sort of goes into this um in like i like to call it an investment account with an interest rate because i just think it, people understand it a little bit better so your 1800 pounds is paid into your investment account you get your interest rate which is one and a half percent above cpi and then the following year you get your 1851 pounds of income and then on the account balance from the previous year and that year you get the revaluation factor of one and a half percent above. So you, so what happens is over time, um, the twenty fifteen uh, pension pot actually starts to accumulate really fast and really rapidly. Um, so you get really high levels of of growth in that, and this is where you. Um, This is where flipping people back to the 1995 section produces tax rebates. So the general trend, and you can always kind of rely upon this, is the higher the tax charge, the higher the pension. The lower the tax charge, the lower the pension. Now, sitting completely um, off to one side are the mental health officers. um, So those with the MHO status. So they receive a double juror. So they're right at the top of the tree with pension accrual because they're for every 365 day calendar period, they get another 180. So they're accruing pension at a rate of two and a half thousand a year. So this is where we're seeing MHOs, if they revert back into the um, the 995 section, they're probably going to end up with big, larger tax bills. And that's just the maths. Yeah. so I think I think that we've
2: got to say though generally behind this no mm-hmm. one will be worse or should be worse off because everyone should choose a route which is better or Absolutely. at least equal to what they have now yeah. um so from that viewpoint it is a win-win uh, apart from mm-hmm. all the maths and the calculations to be done yeah. but but, uh, but you know, know no one should be worse off than this.
0: And I think that's a really important point to stress because we are covering, uh, focusing on the problems. But uh, as I always say to you guys, the NHS pension for the vast majority of people is still a great deal. You too, unfortunately, do not have an NHS pension, but if you could, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of course. So I think if you're no a young doctor, a no-brainer, exactly. If you're a young doctor listening to this thinking, oh, this isn't for me, it's too complicated, just just don't worry. Uh, it's a no-brainer, as Andy says, to stay in it. But it's just annoying that it's got mm-hmm. so hideously complicated that even you, know, you two experts here are sort of s- scratching your heads about certain elements mm-hmm. of it because of unresolved. Um, can we just take some myth-busting? Because uh, the medical grapevine loves to talk about finances, and sometimes it's excellent information. And sometimes it's completely misleading information. So what I'm hearing a lot is that great, we're all going back to the 95 scheme because it's a better pension. Now we've already talked a bit about this, Rachel, but can you just sort of summarise why that's an oversimplification?
1: I think it's because it was um, it, it was <laughs> it was quite a controversial move um, closing the 95 section. Um, and at the time most of the um el- you know the elder oh well the older um doctors um were, wanted to retire at 60 nobody wants to work on to to 67 or 68 um so it was a very controversial move so the narrative has always been that the 2015 scheme um Was uh, a less attractive scheme, but it's only really because of the retirement age. Because actually, the um, the BMA obviously fought very hard about the scheme, the design of the 2015 scheme, Um, and so this is why you're compensated with a higher level of accrual. And that's the general trend. When they closed the 1995 sections and they introduced the 2008, you've got the pushing back of this retirement age, but then you've got the higher accrual rate to compensate for that. So it, it does it does create, um, it does disadvantage, it can disadvantage older members because the younger menage, members are obviously going to benefit from um, potentially tax rebates, but then they're going to end up with the higher pension uh, because they've got more years to work within the 2015. Um, yep. well, so,
2: yeah, I, mean, I, I think our, our feeling, is, is, is you're quite right around, Different age groups will have different outcomes and different viewpoints on this. Um, and you, the, probably the noisiest age group at the moment will be those in their mid-50s, um, who are the ones who transitioned around about April 15, but are coming up to what they were thinking would be their normal retirement age of 60. Um, and they're, they're the ones you're going to hear from a lot at the moment, because actually probably they are, in my view, probably the, the group that. Naturally, going back to the ninety-five scheme would make a lot of sense if you don't want to sort, you know, work into your sixties. But the younger age groups uh, are going to have a larger period accruing in the fifteen scheme, uh, and as Rachel's pointing out, the escalating uh, impact of that is going to be quite significant. And they'll have less in the ninety-five scheme already, so it's, it's going to impact them less. Um, and then you've got the 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 you know the mental health groups, et cetera, the officer groups that um, you know are complex ones. So it yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the noise is probably around those those who mm. are coming up to retirement. And it's the, good, the good thing
1: about the deferred choice underpin is that it gives every all members um a choice at the same point, which is at retirement. So it de-risks a lot of people from making a bad choice, which potentially would have been everybody just defaults back into the nine nine five section. And then some people will realise, actually, I'm not going to get as large a pension because of this. But there are so many other aspects to this that need to be considered because we need to look at things like, I mean, this is why financial advice is really important because, when you crunch the numbers and I, I start with rebuilding a pension, and then I take that pension on a journey through annual allowance, tapered annual allowance, then we run it through um, early retirement factors, scheme pays reductions, and that and by the time you you've you've actually applied all of these reductions and tax liabilities, what really matters to people are. Well, what's the well, what are the figures at the end of the day? How much pension have I got? How much lump sum? And then if you think about the AWA forms, members are given three options. Do you want standard lump sum? Do you want the tax-free lump sum? Or do you do you have a specific request? Or do you want the you know a maximum lump sum? A okay, case so I was working on the other day, the maximum lump sum was five hundred thousand pounds, but that's going to come with a whopping great lifetime allowance charge. So. When you do crunch the numbers, generally for a lot of people, if you do split them between the 995 and the 2015 section, um, there that it does tend to produce a higher pension even when you factor in these scheme pays reductions. But um, and this is the one thing that I would I would always caveat, there will be that there will be a service pattern out there that will disagree what we're seeing now. Because the Ninety Five section is so incredibly nuanced, um, and the practitioner scheme is very um, complicated. And also, when we look at the 995 section and this abnormal growth bubble that it can produce for, let's just say, people who have temporary pay rises. So, for example, for example, training program directors, TPD roles might only last three years. CEA awards, well, the nationals are pensionable now, but they have a lifespan. So if, if that uh, final pensionable pay um, reduces because, you know, someone's service pattern changes, then they end up paying this tax charge um, and not actually receiving a return on that, um, which I thought has always been, um, you know, the great of, of for 1995 members. So when you throw this into the mix with the McLeod... It, it does, it should bring everyone's, um, it should bring it to the forefront of everybody's um, retirement plans because you then have to consider, like I say, each service pattern and then how it's going to interact with this remedy period and whether you can use the remedy period to your advantage. Um, but it, like I say, it's very, very complicated. <laughs> so, whilst the trend is higher pension, uh, higher tax charge, lower pension, lower tax charge, there will be service patterns out there that will disagree that. And I can guarantee that, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think also throwing into the mix a further complication, um, which is something that the uh, consultation response didn't deal with, is is in relation to something called contingent decisions. So these are people that made choices over that period to perhaps come out the scheme because they didn't like the 2015 scheme or, or the tax effects of it. And now, retrospectively, um, might want to unwind those contingent decisions um, because looking at it with different legislation may have changed their mind about what they did. And it's a bit vague at the moment, the consultation on that. Um, and there's a whole group of people out there who have changed their their situation. And that's going to produce, assuming they get to the situation, saying allowing everyone to revisit what they have done without trying to have to prove it was purely related to the creation of the 15 scheme which things can be really hard to prove but if they did allow that that's going to throw in yet more calculations to be done Mm. that the the pensions agency won't do for you it's not like the the retirement uh, whether they'll they'll hopefully give you two different sets of figures you're going to have to do that now as to to whether you go back in or not Um, so yeah hugely hugely complicated really
1: yeah I agree.
0: Uh, I think that Uh, contingent decision things is mm -hmm. massive. I mean, I like to open a can of worms near the end of the podcast, as you know, and I was about to get get onto that because it's so complicated. There's so many. I mean, we talked about this on our podcast, didn't we, Rachel, about the Mm -hmm. just different permutations of contingent decisions. I mean, Mm -hmm. if a client comes to you now and says, look, I jumped out of 2015 because of a tax charge or whatever, what should should I do? I mean, what sort of things Mm -hmm. are you going to be, what sort of issues are you going to be talking them through? Because there's just some unknown Unknowns or some known unknowns the, and some unknown unknowns here, which I did makes it see,
1: difficult. Yeah. I did see part of a section which said that they would have to prove that the decision was based upon, um, was di- was directly related to um, age discrimination. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think they really delved into it that, you know, as far as that, but when you actually think about the context be- behind the previous choice exercises, that was all to do with the introduction of the 2015 scheme. So, if we've got somebody who went 1995 in 2008, for example, or 2008 to 2015, they transfer transferring the benefits because of that, um, I think that should. I think that's a, a enough evidence. But that's not for me to say. Is it? It's it's, it's policy. It, it has to be decisions um, made by the scheme and um, obviously the treasury. But um so that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for detail like that. And the other issue is gonna be if somebody has hokeyed, are they entitled to that proportion <laughs> of compensation? Um, you know, it, it the devil will be in the detail, we all say that, but it's so true because until we have um, you know, the process and the, the detail from NHS pensions, for example. We don't know what we're going to be able to achieve,
2: but I'm assuming you can do. Then there's you know, mm. you're throwing into the equation a member would need to pay back its contributions for that period. Uh, mm. and if you're a GP uh, partner, um, then you're paying both the employee employer contributions. If you're uh in an office suppose, in hospital you're just paying the employee contribution is your employer going to pay the employer contribution and then some employers also then gave those employee contributions to um people that opted out so already just in purely in paying the contributions there's a mess uh, and then you'd need to then look at actually what is that contribution buying you um it's obviously buying you a bigger pension but then it may result in an annual allowance tax charge which reduces that pension so that gets into the investment decision process of I'm um, spending £10,000 uh, that's going out now what's it actually going to get back in terms of return uh, so yeah conund- you, the conundrums are endless I think.
1: And in, who's going to run these calculations you know who's going to run these calculations because I think the scheme should be running calculations like that I think they should say, well, if you want this, this is how much pension contribution you have to pay back (laughs) and run through those options on a form. Because I just think that um, there aren't enough financial advisors and accountants in this country to be able (laughs) to to service the entire NHS. Um, But I do also think that the government should, uh, you know, provide NHS pensions with um, the funding to be able To run these sorts of this sort of data, Um, but I think it's one of the the um, one of one of the things I fed back in the last um, in the September consultation was that the the issue that that then creates is the ability to afford the compensation, because some people might not be able to afford to pay back those pension contributions. one of the things they did suggest in the response was that they would introduce a repayment scheme. Really, does anybody want that? You know, um, does anybody want to be paying something over sixty months for the or you know, forty-eight months? Um, or using scheme payers? I, I just think you are right. It's going to be it's going to be really difficult to unravel. Um, it, it will be like disappearing down a rabbit hole. <laughs> and that's where most of us will be if you want to know where we are all for the next 10 years.
0: <laughs> we're down we're down that rabbit hole right now. We're in right? the rabbit in, hole. In this podcast <laughs> we are in that rabbit hole but let's climb out of the rabbit hole for the last 5 minutes of the podcast because um mm-hmm. you know it, it, from a from Rachel from a financial perspective andy from a tax perspective just give us like a couple of things that doctors uh, should think about now and do now, because I think as you uh, what I'm taking from this is that right now there's not anything that you really need to do about from get your records and I think what you said, Andy, is really important that nobody should be worse off, so you know, but Rachel, from a financial if financial perspective, give our listeners a few things that they need to do right now and a few things that they should think about going forward, and then Andy, the same for you from a tax mm.
1: I think um you know, get your house in order um. Retain your your records. Make sure that you agree uh, calculations. Um, you know, check out your total reward statements. Um, you, form this, you can form the scheme and ask for a, a history of your pensionable pay figures. Um, so there's getting get your house in order. Um, and then it's having a plan, have a clear financial plan. Um, because if you know where you're going, it's it's much easier to navigate that um it's people who kind of float around and don't really understand what they're doing or where they're going and just they're scared and they need react don't do that just be very sensible and and take informed um make informed decisions sensible planning definitely the way forward
0: awesome
2: so I mean, yeah from my viewpoint again uh we've got the first decision so that's important no choices need to be made now so there's no panic um, uh, as Rachel said, as I said earlier in the podcast, um, get your house in order, so get your Total Rewards Statement. If you don't know how to do that, it's a website, um, www.totalrewardstatements.nhs.uk. Um, very straightforward. Well, I say it's straightforward, you've got to get through the government portal to get onto it, but if you crack that, then, then you should get some information. Or in the case of some GPs, you might not get the information. Um, If you can't get any accurate information on that, you then go back to the pensions agency and find out why. Um, Generally for a GP, it's because PCSE haven't processed an earlier year. Your accountant should have that uh, certificate, get it reprocessed, um, get your pension records up to date. I would do that now. We're recommending all our clients do that now. Um, So at least you've got uh, some data to work with. yeah and 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 yeah keep keep abreast of what's going on really um yeah you don't need to understand it to the, the minutiae but you do need to understand the general points and again back to just general financial planning you know you, you, everyone gets obsessed about the nhs pension uh, and quite rightly so because it's a huge asset that uh, that individuals have um but it's it's just part of normal retirement planning um or a pension is is just an income in retirement to buy things, okay? And to pay for things. And you can have that income from a pension, you can have it from ISAs, you can have it from uh, rental properties, you can have it from a multitude of things. Ultimately, your decision around retirement is at the point you can comfortably live the lifestyle you want to live um, through retirement when you don't have any employment or self-employed income coming in. Um, That has not changed at all um what has changed is just perhaps the numbers to get you there um, but that that principle hasn't changed so you know those that are in their 50s thinking of coming up to retirement and taking retirement still need to and can carry on going through that exercise of working out what they need to live on in retirement
0: awesome Uh, Well, thank you so much, guys, for your time. As I said, uh, we, the podcast listeners, really appreciate you giving your time. There's plenty of work going on in the background as well here. I know both of you or all of us are doing that. We're meeting with NHS Pensions. Actually, I need to talk about you at the end of this. Um, (laughs) I forgot. Um, uh, And the BMA as well are doing plenty. So there's plenty going on. But I think just stick to that last summary that we just talked about and uh, keep tuned into the podcast. We'll keep you informed as things change. Uh, And thank you so much for your time guys um i know i'm gonna see you soon on another podcast because something else will have changed with this and uh, <laughs> we'll be back talking about it but thanks so much for your time today thank you thank you